0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast, a podcast recorded at LifeGate Church in Burleson, Texas. We hope you enjoy the talk, and be sure to stick around for more at the end. Well, this morning we are the halfway point. Everybody say halfway points. We are at the halfway point of this campaign, of this series that we are doing called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And God is doing some big stuff. How many of you, God has done something already in your life in this six weeks, or in the halfway point of this six weeks, as we are on day 21 today? And now, I know when you get kind of to the middle point, sometimes, you know, you get a little bit tired. We've made some commitments in this series, and some of you may be a little bit tired, and I just want to challenge you today to push through. And I thought, since we're at halftime, since we're at kind of the midway point of this campaign, I thought maybe, just maybe, some of you might need a little pep talk. So I want you to check this out. Come on, that's good stuff right there. You were made for awesome. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, you were made for awesome. Awesome. And that's what we're learning in this series. We're looking at this question, why am I on this planet? What is my purpose in life? Why did God create me? And what we have learned already in this past three weeks is we have learned that if we want to know the meaning of life, we've got to start by looking to the maker of life. It all starts with God. Everybody say, it all starts with God. In fact, that's what Paul said. We've read it every week. In Colossians 1 and verse 16, it says, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. For he was there before it all came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. It all starts with him. And what we've been doing in this... This series is we've been doing our best to learn how to get to know God. The more we know God, the more we will know what God created us to do on this planet. And we have been studying and reading and praying and getting together in our life groups and reading through the Purpose Driven Life book so that we will get to know God more. And the more we have gotten to know God, the more we have discovered that God has a purpose for every single one of our life. In fact, God has five purposes. Everybody say five purposes five purposes for every single one of our lives. We've already studied the first two purposes of our life. We studied the first purpose, and that is you were created to love and to be loved by God. And there's a Bible word for that. It's called worship. So everybody say worship. Worship. In fact, God is doing some big things in people's lives as we learn this first purpose. In fact, I got a, uh, just an email just this past week, a great testimony as God is working in this first purpose of someone's life. They said, as I sat in our life group last night discussing ways that we could better worship God this week, my comment to the group was that I couldn't wrap my head around how to worship God in everything that I do. From brushing my teeth, to doing laundry, to work, to whatever I do. And I was struggling with that concept. How do I make everyday mundane activities reflect the glory of God? And then I read day 11 this morning, becoming best friends with God. Pretty much every question that I had was answered. In fact, as I was reading, I caught myself just smiling at the faithfulness of God. I know he was just watching in anticipation as I had that aha moment. How many know God does that? That's how we were created. That's why we were created to have a love relationship, a best friendship with God that we would love and be loved by God and that's called worship. Then last week we talked about the second purpose of our life is that we're not just created to love and be loved by God but we are created to love other people and that's called fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. You see, that's the whole reason we're here on this planet. Jesus said it all comes down to this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, and we are learning to do that in our life groups. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about our third purpose in life. How many of you want to know your third purpose in life? like two of you how many want to know your third purpose in life all right are you ready for this coming on the screen I want you to say it aloud with me today one two three I was created to become like Christ come on like you got to move your mouth you got to act like you're saying it at least all right you ready one two three I was created to become like Christ I see why you weren't moving your mouth now there is a Bible word for that. Now it's on the screen. It's called what? It's called discipleship. You see, I was created to become like Christ. We see it in Romans eight and verse number twenty-nine. Paul says like this: God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape our lives, uh, to shape the lives of those that love Him along the same life uh, line as the life of His Son. For the Son stands first in the the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. When we look at Christ, we see what we were created to be. We were created to become like Christ. And that's called Discipleship. Now, when you hear this word discipleship, typically, I don't know about you, but I grew up in church, so typically things come to my mind when I hear this word discipleship. I, I think of stuff like maybe like being in a class, right? Like maybe reading a book, or I, I, I tend to think about like filling out little blanks in a book as I'm sitting in the class. How I many you know what I'm saying, right? Or maybe I think of like a weekend retreat for discipleship, and all those things are a part of discipleship discipleship. discipleship but that's not all that there is to discipleship if we really kind of get down to it discipleship simply means this it means to grow everybody say grow it means to grow it means that we are growing in our relationship with God here's the deal is that God loves you just the way that you are aren't you glad for that this morning He loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way that you are. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to grow in maturity. He wants to grow you into the image and the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing, though, is that I see so many Christians as a pastor. I see them them all the time, week after week. I see so many Christians who step across the line, and they become a Christian. They become a follower of Christ, and that's kind of where they stop. They never really grow to maturity in Christ. In fact, I've seen it over and over and over again in the past 18 years of full-time ministry. I see people who go to church their entire lives and they're still spiritually immature. Man, I see people who have been in church. How many know what I'm talking about? Been in church for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they're still cranky. Come on still a little bit self-righteous, still critical or unloving or jealous or envious or gossip or whatever. And they know Christ, but they've never really grown into the maturity that God wants them to live in their life. And it's a tragedy, In fact, that's not why we were created. We were created to grow into what God has called us to be. We see that in Ephesians 4 and verse 14. Paul says that we were not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to check this out, to grow up. Everybody look at your neighbor and just tell him, grow up. To grow up in every way into the head who is Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you're not meant to just be a baby Christian, immature in the way that you live. You were created. The purpose of your life is to grow into full maturity, to grow up to be like Christ. Now, how does that happen? How do we grow up? How is it that people can go to church for 20 years, 30 years, and still not be mature in the Lord? Well, the truth is, that there's a lot of ways that we can grow in the things of God. I mean, we grow in God by reading the Word, and by studying the Word, that's important. We, we grow by, by going to church, we grow by serving, we grow by, there's a lot of different ways that God can help us to grow into the image of his son. But I I think there's one way that we grow that kind of gets a little bit overlooked. And I think the reason we overlook it is because we don't like it very much. And I'll just be honest this morning, I don't like it very much. But I think one of the greatest ways that God grows us into a disciple, one of the greatest ways that God makes us more into the image of Christ is by facing some problems. Everybody say problems. Now now you know why I don't like it, right? But the truth is that God will use problems. He'll use struggles, difficulties. He will use trials in our lives to grow us, to build us, to shape and form us more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. See, some people wonder, well, why does God allow Christians to go through struggles? I mean, why would God, if God is a loving God, why would he allow us to go through problems and pain and difficulties? Why would he allow people to get sick? Why would he allow loved ones to die? Why would he allow us to have financial struggles or marriage struggles? Why would he allow these problems and these struggles in our life? If God really loves us, why would he allow those things? I don't understand all of the answers to those things, but here's one thing that I know. I know that one of the reasons that God allows us to go through problems and struggles and trials in our life is because he can use those problems and struggles. He doesn't create them. He doesn't put them in our life, but he can allow them because he wants to use those things to shape us and to grow our character. Now, before you start thinking, well, God's a really mean God if he would allow us to face struggles and problems, let me just tell you, if you're a parent here today, you do it too right? Any any parents here today? I mean, you do it every single morning. You go, you wake your kids up and you say, it's time for school. And what do they do? They say, I'm tired. I don't want to get up. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And what do you say? You say, I don't care if you're tired. You're going to get up and you're going to go in there and you're going to brush your teeth and you're going to comb your hair and you're going to put your clothes on and you're going to go to school. Why do you say that? You say that because you have a plan for their life. And the plan is that one day they'll grow up and they'll become mature and they'll move out and they'll pay for stuff on their own. How many know what I'm saying, right? And so, because you have a plan for their life, you allow them to face a little bit of pain, a little bit of temporary struggle, a few temporary sufferings, so that they can grow up to maturity, they can go on to get married and have grandkids, you know what I'm talking about, and they can experience the pain that you are experiencing right now. (laughs) And here's the deal, God is the same way. As a loving father, he will allow us to experience some temporary pain. He will allow us to experience some temporary struggles. He will allow us to go through some problems sometimes so that we can grow up to maturity. You see, here's the deal. We say it all the time around here. But God is way more concerned with your character than he is with your comforts. A lot of us the whole the whole area of our the whole focus of our life is that we want to be comfortable but God's not worried about us being comfortable as much as he's worried about creating us our character growing us into maturity. He's a whole lot more concerned with your holiness than he is with your happiness. He's a whole lot more concerned with who you are than how you feel. And so he will allow sometimes some problems and some struggles in our lives so that we will grow into maturity. If we will allow those things to mature us. In fact, that's what James was talking about in James chapter 1. I want us to look at this passage in James chapter 1 and verse 2. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time in this message this morning. Look what James says. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing, everybody say testing. Testing. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. James starts talking here, and right at the beginning of his letter, I mean, he's barely even into it. He's only on the second verse of his letter, and he just comes right out. There's no sense of beating around the bush. He just cuts right to the chase and he just says, Guess what? You got problems. Everybody look at your neighbor and just say, What's your problem? I mean, the truth is, you're going to have problems, right? Like, in this life, in this world, in the world that we live in, there's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some problems. There's going to be some pain. I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor, don't you just need to be a little bit more positive, all right? I'm positive. You're going to have problems and pain in this life. The truth is, man, in this world, you're gonna have struggles, you're gonna have pain, you're gonna have problems. Jesus said it like this in John 16 and 33. He says, in this world, look, you will have troubles. He doesn't say you might have troubles. James doesn't say, well, you know, you might have some pain. No, he says when you face struggles, when you face trials, when you face difficulties, the the, the choice is yours. You see, you've got a choice today and the choice is not whether or not you're going to face problems. The choice is what are you going to do when you face the problems? Are you going to groan about them or are you going to grow through them? Are you going to complain about them or are you going to allow them to mature your faith so that you can become all that God created you to become? So I want us to look at this passage and I just want us to to look at how do we learn to grow from our struggles and problems? How do we learn to let trials and problems, difficulties, how do we learn to let those things grow us and mature us, disciple us into the image of God? Of Christ. So if you're taking notes, we're just going to see four things from this passage here this morning. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to see the problem for what it is. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get a different perspective. Everybody say perspective. You're going to have to see it for what it is. That's what James says here in this passage. In verse number two, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces Perseverance. James says here, I want to show you what the problem really is. I want to show you what the trial really is. The trial is really just a test. Now, how many of you remember when you were in school? Remember that? Some of you are like, man, I'm trying to forget those days. Others of you are like, yeah, college, man, those were the best eight years of my life, you know. But how many know when you were in school, you would have tests? Now, nobody likes tests. I hated test day at school. Nobody likes to take tests. But but here's the deal. Here's how a test works. A test works like this, that... When you, when you get to the end of a certain subject, maybe it's the end of a chapter or a unit, maybe it's the end of a class, maybe it's the end of a grade, you get to the end of a certain subject that you are studying, and at the end of the certain subject, what do you have to do? You have to take a test. Now, what is the test for? What is the purpose of the test? The purpose of the test is to see if you know what you need to know so that you can move on to the next level, right? Y'all tracking with me here, right? Now, what happens if you don't pass the test? You got to go back and redo the chapter, redo the unit, redo the grade. Some of y'all did that a few times you got to go back and you gotta, you got to redo it until you learn the material enough. And then when you learn the material enough, what do you do? You take a test so that when you pass the test, what happens, you get promoted to the next level, to the next subject, to the next chapter, to the next grade, to the next whatever it is. And James says, here's the deal, you're going to have trials You're going to have problems. You're going to have struggles. You're going to go through difficulties in in life. And when you go through a problem or a difficulty in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to see it for what it is. It's not really just a problem. Here's what it is. It's a test. It's a test to see if you have covered the material, to see if you know the material. And if you pass the test, here's what happens. You can be promoted to the next level. In fact, in fact, James says it like this. He says consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. Have you ever thought about that like how am I supposed to have joy when I'm facing a struggle, right? Like how am I supposed to be happy about the problem? Well, here's the deal. The only way you can be happy about the problem is when you see it for what it really is. It's not really a problem. Here's what it is. It's an opportunity. It's a test. And if you pass the test, then you can move on to the next level. Then you, can, then you can be promoted. And here's how you have joy in the midst of problems. You see it through God's perspective. And if you're facing a problem here today, here's what I want you to see, is that God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to promote you. Come on, that was a good place there for an amen. Like, when I pause, that's a good time to go, amen, that's good, brother. Here's the thing. Some of you are looking at your problem right now and you're going, man, God's mean and God's trying to hurt me or God's trying to put me through this struggle or this problem. No, here's the deal. Here's what you need to understand. God's not trying to hurt you. God wants to promote you. He wants to take you to the next level. But before you can go to the next level, you have to pass the test at the level that you're at now. And if you don't pass the test, guess what you get to do? Just like the Israelites had to do whenever they didn't pass the test, what did he do? He just said, all right, take another lap. You know what I'm saying? Like you haven't learned it yet. So 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness because they hadn't passed the test. What would have happened if they had just passed the test the first time? And some of us have been wandering around, taking laps around the wilderness for years and years and years and years, and we've never grown to the maturity that God wants us to grow to because we haven't passed the test at the level that we're at now. But if you will pass the test at the level that you're at now, then God can promote you to the next level. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 5 and verse 3. He says, but we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they will help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know that God dearly loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says here's the hope that we have that even in the midst of struggles and problems and trials that God is leading us to another level and if we'll just see it for what it is then we can move on to the Next level, as we pass the test at this level, you got to see it for what it is. Check this out, number two. You got to submit. Everybody say submit. You got to submit yourself to the process. Sometimes the only difference between facing a problem and actually learning from the problem is the attitude that you take towards the problem. How many know attitude's huge? In fact, I like this little story that I came across uh, about facing problems with the right attitude. It says there was a Canadian bird that decided that it was too much trouble to fly south for the winter. So he said to himself, I can brave a winter. A lot of other animals do it. It just can't be that hard. So as all the other birds flocked away towards sunny South America, he stayed behind and waited for the winter. But by the end of November, he was having serious second thoughts about his decision. He had never been so cold, and he couldn't find any food. And finally, he broke down and realized that he, if he didn't get out of there soon, he wasn't going to make it. So he started flying south all by himself. Well, after a while, it began to rain, and before he knew it, the water was turning to ice on his wings. Struggling, he recognized that he couldn't fly any longer. He knew that he was about to die, so he glided down and made his last landing, crashing to the ground in a barnyard. As he lay there stunned, a cow came by, stepped over him, and dropped a plop right on top of him. He was totally disgusted. Here I am, he thought. I'm freezing to death, and I'm about to die. And I'm on my last breath, and then this? What an awful way to go. So then the bird held his breath and prepared himself to die. But after about two minutes, he discovered a miracle was happening. He was warming up. The ice on his wings was melting. His muscles were thawing out. His blood was flowing again. He realized that he was going to make it after all. He got so excited and happy that he began to sing a glorious song. At that moment, the farm's old tomcat was lying in the hayloft in the barn, and he heard the bird singing. He couldn't believe it. He hadn't heard anything like that in months, and he said to himself, Is that a bird? I thought that they had all gone south for the winter. So he came out of the barn, and lo and behold, there was the bird. And the cat crossed over to where he was, pulled him gently out of the cow plop, and cleaned him off and ate him. Now, there are three morals to this story. Number one, not everyone who drops a plop on you is your enemy. Number two, not everyone who drops or takes the plop off of you is your friend. Number three, if someone drops a plop on you, just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) How many know attitude is everything? We're going to face some struggles and some problems in our life. And here's the deal. Not every problem is your enemy. Sometimes you face a struggle and a problem. You can't figure out why you're going through the struggle. You can't figure out why you're facing the problem. But sometimes you just got to submit yourself and you just got to go, guess what? I don't know why I'm going through this and it ain't no fun and I don't like it and I don't understand it, but maybe God's trying to teach me something. So if he's trying to teach me something, I'm going to submit myself and instead of griping about it, I'm going to learn something from it. I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to submit to His process in my life. In fact, that's what James says in verse number four. He says, "Let perseverance finish its work." Guess what? You got to let it. Some of you, some of you, facing some problems, and you're and you're complaining, and you're griping, and you're doing everything you can to try to get out of the problem. And sometimes, hey, sometimes we face problems because we do stupid stuff, right? But sometimes we face problems that. They're not our fault. We didn't do anything, and God didn't bring it in our life, but God allows it in our life to teach us, to test us, to build us, to, to, to develop our, our character, to make us who he wants us to be. And we've got to let him do it, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't like it, even when it's painful, even when it's difficult. we just got to submit ourselves to the, to the process. And here's the deal. You're going to face problems anyway, Right? You might as well learn from it. Like, I mean, how how purposeless would it be? How meaningless would it be to face problems and struggles in life and not learn anything from them? And that's where so many people are. They can't figure out. That's why people can't figure out what's the meaning of life. What's this whole thing all about? Why am I going through this struggle? God must be mean. All of those kinds of things is because they don't understand that God has a purpose in it all. And if you're going to face the struggles and trials anyway, you might as well learn something from it. So you might as well just submit yourself to the process. So everybody say submit yourself. yourself. You got to see it for what it is you got to submit yourself to the process. Number three, here's what you do when you're facing a, a problem. You're going to seek God's help. You're going to ask God to help you. In fact, that's what James says in verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Check this out. Here's one of the great things about problems. Problems teach us to depend on God. Problems draw us closer to God. In fact, if you're, if you're not facing any problems, if, if everything's good in your life, man, that's awesome. Isn't it nice to be in those times in your life where it's just things are going smooth and there's no struggles, there's no problems, and there's no things happening in our life. But here's what happens when things are going smooth in your life. Here's what you tend to do. I don't know. I tend to do this. When everything's going right, I just tend to kind of just start coasting a little bit. Just kind of lean back. and Just, hey, life is smooth and things are good and I'm comfortable and I start to kind of depend on myself and kind of depend on my own wisdom and kind of depend on my own ability, and I kind of just step back and it's almost kind of like I don't I would never say this, but you kind of hey I don't need God because I got this thing under control, right? But when problems and struggles begin to come in life, what happens as soon as the problem happens? What do we do? Oh God, I gotta have some help here, right? And what does it do? The struggle Teaches us to depend on God. The struggle draws us closer to God. When you're facing a problem or a struggle, call out to God. Ask God to help. And then notice here what James says. He says, I want you to seek God's help. But, but he, doesn't, he doesn't say it the way that we normally do it. Here's what he says. When you're facing a trial, here's what I want you to ask God for. I want you to ask God for wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. See, notice this. James doesn't say, ask God to take the problem away. James says, ask God for wisdom. See, here's what most of us do when we're facing a problem. I do it. God, take the problem away. I don't like this. This hurts. This is uncomfortable. This is painful. This is a struggle. This is difficult. And we pray and we ask God, God, just remove the problem. But James doesn't say, doesn't say ask God to fix the problem or remove the problem. James says, pray for wisdom. In other words, pray that God would teach you something through the problem. See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. A lot of us have knowledge, but we don't have any wisdom. And and the reason is that that knowledge is just what you know. Wisdom is the, the ability to apply what you know. And here's what happens, is that a lot of us have knowledge. We know what to do, we just don't do it. And that's why, that's why discipleship by reading a book or discipleship by filling in some blanks or discipleship from, from sitting in a class or going on a retreat, that's good because that gives us knowledge. But discipleship from problems and struggles, if we will allow it, it will move us from knowledge to wisdom. And a lot of you, here's where you are. You got knowledge. You know what the Bible says. You know what the book says. You know the fill in the blank from the from the answer in the discipleship class, but you're not living it out in your life. And there's a gap between your knowledge and your wisdom. And so God wants to narrow the gap to bring you to maturity. So sometimes God will allow you to go through a struggle so that you'll have an opportunity to apply the knowledge that you have so that you will gain wisdom. Come on, that's good preaching. Somebody should say amen or something because that's good. But most of us, here's where we're at, we got a lot of knowledge but we don't have any wisdom and this is what James was talking about in the rest of this passage in verse number six. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not accept, expect to receive anything from the Lord, for such a double minded man is unstable in all that they do. Here's where a lot of us are. We, we, we got our mind divided and there's, there's, a, there's a big gap. There's a big, a big divide between what we know and what we're doing. Between our knowledge and, and between our wisdom. And here's what God wants to do. is He wants to narrow the gap because when our mind is divided, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And here's how some of you are. Because you know what to do but you're not doing it. You're like a wave that's tossed and blown at sea. And every time a problem or a struggle or a difficulty comes in your life you're up when it's good and you're way down when it's bad and when everything is good I'm at church and I'm serving God and worshiping God but as soon as a struggle comes along I'm out there and I'm giving up on God and I'm up and down and in and out and all over the place and the problem is that your mind is divided there's a gap between what you know and what you're doing and God says I want to narrow the gap I want to give you wisdom and here's how you get wisdom. When the problem comes, you don't say, God, take the problem away. You pray, God, teach me what I need to know through the problem so that I'll grow to maturity. you got to see it for what it is. got to submit to the process. you got to seek God's help. Number four, check this out. James says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stay focused on the prize. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Everybody say crown of life. Guess what? There's a prize. There's there's a crown at the end of the problem. At the end of the struggle, there's there's a, a reward. You see, every problem has a purpose. Every struggle has a strategy. God will never waste a hurt in your life. If you are facing a struggle or a problem, if you have some pain in your life, it is for a purpose. God will use it to build you and to strengthen you and to make you into what He wants you to be, to mature your faith. You see, a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And when you go through the struggles and the trials, when you go through the fire, you come out on the other end. And when you get out on the other end, end you will receive a crown of life see I love I love what we sang about this morning it comes from this passage in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 one of my favorite passages in all the Bible it says and we know that all things everybody say all things that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are what called according to His. what are we learning here we're learning about his purposes all things work together Is that just some things? Is that just good things? Is that just when everything's going good in your life? No, no. All things. Good things, bad things, in between things, ugly things, painful things, things you don't understand, problems, struggles, difficulties. All things work together for a good it's it's like baking a cake do we have any we have any bakers in here in the house today anybody like to bake cookies bake cakes bake stuff like that i mean what what are some of the ingredients think about it. what are some of the ingredients is, of of a good cake. I mean, I'm not talking about Betty Crocker. I'm talking about a real cake. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you got you got maybe a scoop of butter, right? You gotta put that little butter in there. Maybe you got some you got some eggs, you gotta crack the egg, put the egg in there. Maybe you got some, some bacon soda, you got some vanilla extract, you got some sugar. Everybody likes sugar, right? Come on. Put some sugar in there right now. Now think about all of those, think about all of those ingredients. When you take them, you put it in there, you mix it all up and then you put it in the oven preheated at 350 degrees and you take that you stick it in the oven and man it goes in there and it goes through the fire and then it comes out and you eat the cake and, mm, it's good stuff right now it's good stuff after it's all mixed together and after it's all baked but think about the ingredients as all by themselves Stick of butter. How many want a big old, you know, big old scoop of butter? Just take a big old bite of that this morning. That sound good, right? Like how about, how, about some, uh, how about some vanilla extract? Anybody ever had that all by itself? How about some raw eggs? I mean, Rocky style. You know what I'm saying? You put it in there, just drink it all by itself. How about some sugar? Even sugar. We all like sugar. But what about a big old teaspoon, a tablespoon of sugar? Just stick that bad boy in your mouth and just eat it all by itself. That doesn't sound good, right? But when you take all that stuff and you mix it up, you put it in the oven, you wait for however long. I'm not a baker, I don't know. You pull it out of the oven, man, that's that's good stuff. And here's the deal is that God takes all the stuff in our life. Some of it good, some of it bad. Sometimes he'll take, man, I lost my job. Sometimes he'll take breaking up with my boyfriend. Sometimes he'll take the car gets broken down or the kids get sick or I have to have surgery or a loved one gets sick or passes away. All those things that by themselves, they're not good and we don't like them and they're painful and they're not appetizing and they don't taste good. But he takes all those things and he begins to mix them all up together and he begins to he begins to turn up the heat in our life and sometimes we feel the heat a little bit in our life and he puts us through the fiery trials sometimes of life and the ingredients aren't good and the things aren't good that we're facing in life but when he takes it he mixes it all together he works it all together and it comes out for our good if we remember what it's all about if we remember that we're not called according to our purpose man if I'm just called according to my purpose when When I lose my job, man, life stinks. Whenever somebody gets sick, life stinks. Whenever the car breaks down, I'm mad and I'm upset and I got no hope because I'm living according to my purpose. But if I'm living according to God's purpose, that even when there's a struggle or a trial or a problem in my life, I can still have a hope in my heart knowing that this is not good, but God works all things together for my good if I am called according to his purpose. Come on! I'm preaching up in this place today. I mean, I'm telling you what I'm feeling it right now, right? God says I'll take I'll take all your struggles and all your problems, everything that you face in life. I'll take it and I'll work it together. If you just if you just remember, if you remember what it's all about, if you keep your focus on the prize, Paul says like this in Second Corinthians four and verse seventeen. For our present troubles, how many have some present troubles this morning? For our present troubles are small. They won't last long, yet they will produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighing them all and will last forever. You say, Pastor, how can my problem be good? How can my struggle be good? Well, here's the, here's the first thing I want you to see is that it's temporary. Look what Paul says. He says, my present struggle. Hey, you may be facing a struggle right now, but I got good news for you. It's not going to last forever. It's temporary. But that present struggle, that temporary struggle, that thing, that problem that you're facing right now, it's going it's to produce in us something that's going to be not temporary, something that's going to be eternal. It's going to produce in us a crown. It's going to produce in us a maturity. It's going to produce in us a growth that will be eternal eternal. It will far outlast them all. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the LifeGate podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. As always, if you're new to LifeGate or haven't heard of us before, please be sure to visit our website at LifeGateBurleson.com for our address, service times, and upcoming events. Again, that's LifeGateBurleson.com. Thanks again, take care, and we look forward to visiting with you next week.